You come at the king, you best not miss. You're not locked in Stone Zone 32. 32. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Zone 32 podcast. We got the regular crew in the building. My name is Jake. His name is Drew. His name is Will. His name is Grant. Say what's up to the people. Shut the fuck up. That's right, people. Shut the fuck up. Shut up, bitches. (laughs) Musty ass, trifling ass bitches. Anyway, let's get into it. So, we mentioned before Ravens and Lamar Jackson agreed to terms on a five-year, $260 million deal. $185 million of it guaranteed for injuries. $135 million fully guaranteed in signing, which is the second most in NFL history. They had their press conference for it May the 4th, which... Some people fuck with the Star Wars thing. Me personally, eh. Nerds. Go, go, go back to the, the okay. 80s. I fuck with the, the Disney shit, the other shit. Nah, it's beneath me. Tom, Baseball, nerd. All right, though. Saxophone, Baseball. nerd. Baseball, nerd. <laughs> well, I so Brooks, <laughs> Mel Brooks' Spaceballs is all right, though. But he goes on there, and he talk, he's talking, and they ask him about the change of heart. He's like, I never wanted to leave the Ravens. Part of it, he basically alluded to his trade request was like a negotiating tactic, but it wasn't one he was all that serious about. He always wanted to be a Raven. So, Drew, I'll start it with you. Why does Lamar Jackson hate the Ravens? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, those people have been uh, kind of quiet, thankfully. Um, it's been peacetime. We've basically been fighting Bengals fans on Twitter now, so that's um, they've taken place a Legion of Gloom. But I, I don't know. I, I found his press conference, and actually it was the interview with the lounge. Um, I think Ryan makes a dork, and Garrett Downing is like a robot. But I thought that they did a very good job with him and got him to kind of open up. And the whole trade request thing was interesting, where he was like, I never wanted to leave the Ravens, but I publicly tweeted that I requested a trade. So kind of was like, what the, what the fuck was going on there? I think he was just, you know, kind of pissed off. I liked hearing him talk about the, uh, you know, the negotiation process, the – you know, it seems like highs and lows and that he wasn't really getting what he wanted. And then all of a sudden what he wanted just kind of showed up there. And it was really only like $10 million more than we had offered him the off season before. Um, I, I also like listening to EDC talk, um, you know, a little bit more candidly with Florio specifically about the negotiation process. I think between the two of them, we got a pretty good, you know, picture of Lamar was pissed off about a myriad of things and, wasn't really sure what the market was going to be and the market didn't exist. Jalen Hurts kind of showed him what the market was. They got him Odell and now he's here. So I, I kind of liked how that sort of wrapped everything up in a nice, neat little bow. Uh, we can stop with the, uh, you know, Lamar hated the Ravens. Lamar wanted to leave, you know, Lamar's pissed at Harbaugh. Lamar hates EDC. Like clearly that's all bullshit. If he was, um, you know, never really took another team seriously. Also makes me question if Ken Francis is a real person. Um, you know, that whole narrative where he was supposedly calling the Colts is, is pretty interesting now. Uh, so I kind of wonder what media personality made up that fake news report and was pushing that. That was the only thing that I wish Lamar went into more detail with is they tried to push him on the um, in his in his video announcing the contract. He was talking about he said, she said stuff. I would have liked him to name names of who he thought were the uh, biggest you know perpetrators of pushing fake news. But overall, it was a nice little uh, wrap up to a pretty you know, irritating saga in Ravens football. And now that we have Lamar, it's kind of, you know, fun to look forward to the season. Yeah, I thought uh, Lamar did a, a really good job of just in, you know, 20 or 30 minutes of the press conference kind of uh, repairing, you know, with people like me, I think, you know, like obviously I was super excited when um, 
the contract got announced, but at the same time, you know, I was clear. It was to me the the last you know forty five days or so, the last month and a half has been has been super annoying. I didn't really agree necessarily with the way he went about his strategy. Uh, you know, the strategy itself worked, and um, you know, I already on Twitter was accountable, held accountable, held myself accountable, I should say, for uh, him and his mom. They got what they were looking for. Who knows if that that's what they were looking for, like, say, back in September when they rejected the original contract offer. But whatever the case may be, you know, they, they got a great contract. and um, But I did not agree with the, the way he went about some of the, the, um, the negotiation, you know, between the uh, whatever the Ken Francis yeah, well, stuff is, I mean, like you said, I don't, I don't know what to make of that, you know, and I have uh, other reasons to, to 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 feel that way right now that I'm not going to talk about at this point. Yeah, it's just it was it's weird how you got all these stories in between of the whole, you know, he that like five minutes before the deadline at the tag, he requested a 250 million dollar fully guaranteed contract. You know, you got yeah, the whole yeah. Ken Francis saga, the fact that he. Again, he, he tweeted a public trade request, like, and you know, it was poorly worded. I think, I think it was a little bit more from the heart, a little bit more off the cuff, and probably didn't, um, you know, get read the way that he wanted it to. Right. But again, he did say that he told the Ravens he wanted to go somewhere else. Like that was a that was a conversation that he had had with the team. But now he was talking about. He's like, yeah, I never really negotiated with another team. He's like, I got like it sounded like teams called him and were almost like. Hey, do you want to talk to us about a contract? He's like, nah, I'm good. I'm gonna go to the Ravens. Yeah, yeah. That's that's how that's how he made it sound. Yeah, again, I just that did, might yeah. Not be true, but... I didn't I didn't I didn't really like you know, I've I've said this on the podcast. I, I just didn't like the way he went about what he did. Uh I think like I said, all the tactics he, he used were effective. I just think that they could have been done in a in a more artful way. That's all. It's um, one of those situations where if another player did that to another team, you'd be like, Oh, this guy's brilliant. But because it was the Ravens and because it was your favorite team, you're like, fuck you. Like, why maybe, you maybe, you know, I just feel like um, that this isn't, he's not the first one to use any of these strategies. I just, this is where, again, you want to talk about agents, agents used what he did. That's like out of the agent playbook. So I'm sure he was getting input on, on this from someone, but the way it was done, the way it was executed, I thought was like alienating for some people like me. Um, I didn't love it, but it doesn't matter. Like I said, like, I think he, it, what the way he handled that press conference, I saw Lamar Jackson that I've loved since the day we drafted the guy, since he was at Louisville, he's like, you know, people talk about him being immature. And I think sometimes he can come across that way because he's such like a, uh, like a carefree guy just in general. He's, he's a, like, Hey, he's goofy. Yeah. Right. You know, he's, so, in, he's intentionally goofy. He's intentionally yeah. having fun all the time. And right. it, it comes off differently than I think it is meant to come off. Yeah. So, but when you see him in that situation where it's obviously like a, uh, celebratory, uh, you know, atmosphere, that's when you see, you know, you're like, this is the same guy. Like, that's why some of the ways he went about his, his, his strategy, I thought came across wrong because you're just used to seeing this sort of like jolly carefree guy. And he kind of went about the strategies in a in a like nonchalant way that rubbed people the yeah. wrong way because of the like gravity of the situation. I mean, what other what other guy has celebrated or publicly let people know that he just signed the richest contract in NFL history with a SpongeBob gift? Like, there's nobody else that does that. Well, and then the video he put out was awesome. You know, like yeah, everything, but that's everything. he's just. Yeah, he's just he's a he's a and a weird has a negative connotation, but he's just a different guy. Like he is. Just, yeah, he's unusual. Just he's, he he's unorthodox. Fun. I just think he is yeah. who he is, and yeah. he has fun. 
Like, I mean, I mean, he's a one of a kind type guy. I don't think it's an immaturity thing. I just think he loves his life and right. I don't think he's immature to be clear. I'm saying people sometimes yeah, no, he gets no, called out it. by people, and I think the reason is because he goes about his business in a way that we're not used to seeing, and yeah. he he tries to keep everything light, you know. He does, and and I think that our front. I mean, even EDC. I mean. I think that between our front office and him, I mean, I think this, the whole thing was ultimate troll job. I mean, when everything's coming out, it's like he, like Drew said, you know, he knew he was going to come back to Baltimore. It was really weird that nobody was contacting him. You have to almost understand that and think that the league kind of knew, Hey, you know, I'm staying in Baltimore. So that's why none of these offers were really out there. Like, I mean, it's hard to, in a quarterback driven league, it's hard to think that nobody would want to throw some type of major offer at him and take a gamble at one of the most dynamic players in football at one of the hardest position and key position in football. So, I mean, I think that, you know, there's a lot more to it. I think it was just kind of drawn out because they knew it was going to happen. He did probably want to see if, you know, the D hop or the Odell thing happened. One of them did cool. I don't think anybody in any of us even thought Zay was going to fall to 22. I mean, he was arguably. You you and I were, you and I were first on the Zay bandwagon. And I'm sure you can go back to multiple episodes here where we said that like, yeah, it'd be cool if we get him, but there's no shot he's there at 22. Yeah. And I don't think we're trading up. I think it was the exact conversation. It's one of the reasons there. that I wasn't like big on the Zay bandwagon because I was like, what, what's the point of, of of getting all like torqued up about this guy? There's no chance we're going to get him. He's going to get fucking drafted before us. Like, or... He was almost like the Kyle Hamilton of last year. Of like, I was never really, I was never really huge on Kyle Hamilton. So I was like, yeah, I'd love to have him, but there's no fucking shot that he's there. Right. Yeah. And yeah, that's why I, so I never gave it that. that well. I never gave it that all that much thought because I was just like, it's not going to happen. If if we're this high on the guy, then someone else is is as high on him who needs a a wide receiver who's going to be. Man, that dude is that dude is going to be special. I mean, I know it's just like rookie, you know, mini camp stuff, but when you watch him just in his routes and just the way that he carries himself on the field, you know, the way he carries himself about his craft, like the dude is special, like athletically and mentally this is like stupid old man you know football watching you know euphemisms here but like you know when you watch a guy run and you're just like he's gonna be good that's what you know that's what say flowers looks like he just looks like he's gonna be a good nfl wide receiver with everything that he does that's a scary description because i felt that way about so many ravens wide receivers over the years i have never i have only felt that way about slate bolden so um and he hasn't really got a chance (laughs) i mean i'm talking going back to like travis taylor I mean, there, yeah, there's guys yeah. that uh, it was just like, yeah, I mean, this the guy biggest is going between... to be – That's why there's a whole fucking, like, weird cult following for James Prochet. Yeah, but well, James I mean, Prochet doesn't look of, good doing anything. And none of us, like, really think this because we've all talked about it and we've all been on the Odell train, but, like, I think a lot of people are really underestimating Odell. They're thinking of, like, ACL Odell and, like, from all the medical reports and what we've seen in videos and stuff, like, you're going to get – Odell, like, like, yeah. it's, but even ACL Odell is still better than what we've had. And ACL Odell with Bateman and Flowers is is a fucking problem. I think the one who's really getting overlooked is Bateman. Nobody talks Rashard. about him at all. And it's Rashard like, and Rashid. He's going nuts. Rashid Batman. Yeah, Rashid yeah. Batman. And yeah. fucking Lamar called him Rashard twice during the press conference and in the launch interview called him Rashard. I was like, Jesus, dude. Like, at least get the guy's name right. <laughs> I feel like Lamar is, is like one of those dudes that he just like he probably messes up everybody's name. He calls Marlon Marvin. 100%. I guarantee you, he thinks his name is Richard because he probably calls him Bait or you know whatever. Yeah. 
He doesn't call him. He does not call him by his first name. No, he's like, oh, I didn't even know he had a first name. And he's yeah. calling Proche Pro, you know, fucking likely like, and you know, so he's, he doesn't know people's names. It's no shot. That's another Unless thing. Like, like, uh, you know, there's a lot of obviously, and there should be a lot of focus on the wide receivers because it's such a uh, vastly improved group, and you know, we have a little bit of everything now. We got a rookie. We have a guy who's going into year three who everyone hopes. You know, we see what we saw early on from him last year and he builds on it. And then we have, a you know, a proven like elite wide receiver. So we've never seen anything like that before. But there's a lot of people who are just completely ignoring. We have three really good pass catching tight ends and three really different pass catching tight ends, too, because Kohler is more of the traditional blocker kind of red zone guy. You know, Mark Andrews is more like a a wide receiver, but also blocks. And then you have Isaiah Likely, who is literally just a slot receiver. That happens a lot. Isaiah Likely is just a fucking matchup nightmare. You know, like, yeah. uh, I mean, he, yeah, he, he's like, he's Darren Waller. Well, like, I mean, even the- running, even running backs wise, if you look at it, you've got JK is more yeah. of the, you know, speed guy. Gus is more of the power back in between the tackles. And Justice Hill is kind of your traditional third down back. Like, Justice we're, we're filling be- out spots everywhere. Justice Hill is going to be solely a special teams guy. Keaton Mitchell is going to be the number three, like, scat. I'm telling you, that that guy is a weapon. Like, See, so I only disagree with that because Gu- of Harbaugh's history with rookies. Well, and Gus, and, Gu- on special teams. Gus and, and J.K. both are proven pass catchers, too. Gus was making – Gus was, like, basically playing slot wide receiver for us in uh, 2021. Well, yeah. and the and the crazy thing too, or is twenty twenty, like, I should say, right? Twenty twenty one, he had the, the, the crazy the thing too is like you mentioned, like the tight ends and the receiving groups, like they all complement each other so well. It's like you can't really bracket anybody because you're leaving somebody's going to be one on one every time. Multiple players are going to be one on one every well, time. So. Yeah, and so they're going to have. So we're going to have to. We're going to see a lot of teams probably trying to trying to play man defense. I think because if you if you, you try can't play man against Lamar though. You can't do that's it. what I'm saying. So I think they're going to it's like, what do they do? Because they're 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 going to have to with the with the weapons we have. You can't play a zone because then we'll just bring it like we could go. Like I said, we could have three tight ends on the field who can kill you. So like the the, the zone is not zone looks are going to be tough, I think. Yeah, well, I am, and think about Odell and Zay, too. Like those two with their route running capabilities and quickness, they're zone killers. Right. So go ahead. Like, they're going to find space. But So they'll go try. So then you play. try and go man, and then Lamar is going to have just fucking wide open space to run. It's like it. this, this offense is going to be – like, I'm so excited because I feel like we're going to get a taste of 2019 over again where it was so fucking fun, so exciting. Every day, every time there was a game, it was like, how many points are we going to score this week? It was not a question of like, like last, the last couple of years was like, are we going to score any fucking touchdowns this week? It's like, are we going to, are we going to score 50 or are we going to score 40 this week? That's what it's crazy to think too, like of all the unit. And this isn't like a knock on our offensive line unit whatsoever. There's a ton of talent on the offensive line, but that's probably our weak link on offense right now, which is crazy to think about. And we and yeah, you know and it's undeniable. We have a top we have a top ten uh, offensive line. The yeah, only reason yeah, we don't have a top is not a knock yeah, at the only all reason on it's them. not a top five unit is because we don't know who the left guard is. We assume it's Cleveland and he's unproven. He yeah, was he was know, uh, most, the ball yeah. today in that clip with the two quarterbacks. I didn't I didn't see the clips today. Yeah, so they just had um I, I saw Macari snapping. I think I saw Moses snapping at one point too. So I, I don't think that that was uh, anything serious. I think they were well, we don't have a backup. Center. I assume Makari is the backup yeah, center right now. Be. 
Yeah, so that's is McCarry your backup center, and then you have Cleveland starting at left guard. Is McCarry your left guard, and you're going to go sign, you know, some like Dalton Reisner or something like that to be your backup center? Like, yeah, there, there's a lot of ways you can go with that. Why I not? Guess, but... Why not? Uh, why not Falele? It... A guard. Guard. I mean, yeah, I, I wouldn't. I biggest wouldn't hate guard him. ever. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't fucking hate him. That size and mobility at guard would be him pulling him him being a pulling guard on like a read option would be fucking. The only problem I have with it is obviously the guy was drafted to be a swing tackle, and as far as I know, he's never played interior offensive line. So it's like we're already he's already a project. He did a little bit in uh, uh, preseason, didn't he? I don't know. Like, so this is just one of the things, like, you know, from a coaching standpoint, um, I just don't love the idea of the guy's already a project. If we want him to be someone that, you know, in, in the event, like last year when we had uh, Ronnie wasn't ready yet. And um, we, he, he started at left tackle, remember? So, yeah. Um, what did he start? At well, right so you tackle? have to commit to you, whatever you he did. He started at left tackle. tackle. Yeah. He started at left tackle and like, we're trying to develop him to be a useful tackle. Like, I just don't love the idea then of him trying to learn a new position. So, yeah. So that's, you have to commit. If he is your right tackle for 2024, then yeah, don't, don't fuck around and put him at guard, put that uh, Manning kid at guard or put um the Oregon guy whose name I will still never Sala, just call him Sala. Yeah. Sala, yeah. yeah even, I think we yeah. probably drafted him maybe to develop as a, as a guard. I don't know. Yeah. At least until yeah. Voorhees is ready. Well, and Vor, I mean, it I could think be. Voorhees is the Zeitler. There's the Zeitler. That's what I was going to say. So I think maybe we, with Salo, if he shows, you know, ability at the guard position, I think Cleveland, this is his third year, right? Yeah. Yeah. So he's cuttable after yeah. this year. Oh, he, he definitely is. Or he's tradable. He's the guy that you yeah. can do. I you want, know, him, to see, I want him to succeed, though. Like, I, so, like, I mean, obviously, I do too. I mean, anybody yeah. on the team besides James Roche, I want Perfect, to, to yeah. succeed. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> but I think now if we go from going into this season, not knowing who the starting left guard is to next season being like, we have too many guys. We have, we have four guards who, you know, like yeah. potentially like, I mean, and obviously Ronnie will still be here. Moses, as long as he's still, you know, he doesn't turn into to Villanueva. Then I think we just keep rolling with him until he's done. So, I mean, I, I think, think it's kind of too, it's like a luxury in a sense. Cause I mean, I, you know, I troll a lot about the Jabba pick. But, like, he was a guy that was an edge rusher coming off injury. Edge rusher, we had Houston back. We brought Houston back, and we had Owe and Bowser. We just signed Bowser. And, you know, we're sitting there, like, you know, we don't necessarily need him in the second round. but it, And you know he's going to miss the majority of the season. But it's a luxury pick. And now look what we're going into. I mean, he looks good. and He, he looks, looks awesome good. in all the clips I yeah. see. He looks like So, like, is that kind of what the Voorhees situation is? Like, you know, where you you know that he's going to be at a position that you don't necessarily need him right now because you need other players to step up. But if they don't step up, he's there for when they don't step up. Well, also, so Voorhees, you know, you still, like he's at a position where it's been proven that ACL recovery is not – there's no, like, deep play. Right. Like, Ryan Jensen tore his ACL in the, in the preseason last year, and he played in January. It's it's quicker it's than Achilles tears. Like, yeah. Like for offensive linemen, because it, I mean, yeah, it, 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 it's I mean, it's all it, it's all straightforward movement for I mean, really, like, you know, they're they're not doing like, you know, quick cuts. They're, it's it's just not 
they brace it up yeah, and even good. when even when you pull it's you know you're pulling and kind of running a circle you're yeah, not cutting they're, left they're not right. they're not changing direction you're pretty much looking for somebody in front of you to lay out that's about it there's right. no uh you know no trying to avoid contact you're looking for as much contact as yeah possible. you don't ever hear about a, a offensive lineman who tears his acl and it's like oh yeah you're uh you're careers over it's just like okay this sucks because and most got... of most of them happen in the backfield like whether somebody yeah. rolls up on them whether you know they're ch- chasing somebody you know to block somebody on a cutback or whatever it is but yeah but you, these guys come back and they, and there's no decline in play as a result of the injury it's just you know maybe maybe their career ends up a little bit shorter because it's recovery and it's just wear and tear on the body. But like, as far as their ability goes and it, it's just not the same as like when you're talking about a, a cornerback or a, a wide receiver or running back. It's, it's weird to be in May and I'm sitting here thinking about signing uh, a depth safety, a rotational pass rusher, rusher. And, you know, do we need another camp body on the offensive line? Right. And like those are my big questions going into the year and not looking for like a, yeah. how are we going to pull off some magical trades for three wide receivers that, you know, right. are better than James. Our They're roster good. is basically like, I mean, it's almost complete, like perfect. And, and when I say perfect, like obviously you could build like a, like a fantasy roster or whatever, but like I'm saying like, I, I don't see a whole lot. I don't see holes that need filling. I, I do see, obviously you can add and stack depth and everything else, but um, you know, obviously I think the, the most, the biggest need coming out of the draft was, was, uh, cornerback. We already addressed that. We could probably add another one there and we should. And then I still think Marcus Peters is in yes. play there. Yep. Oh, for sure. I think him, Shaq yeah. Griffin, um, Shaq Griffin, Mo, Mo saying, what well, doesn't he only have one hand? To be fair, there are two Shaq. He has a brother who also yeah, is Shaq. Yeah. Yeah. Who doesn't have you know one of his hands? But that was a another great mo moment. But uh, yeah, I mean, when we're talking about signing, uh, you know, cornerbacks who have flashed in the past, or you know, if you're Marcus Peters, you were uh, all pro Pro Bowl guy for a couple of years, and you're talking about signing them as potential depth guys, like that's how you know you're or Adrian Amos against another Pro Bowl caliber guy. Yeah. Uh, Jadavian Clowney is a former first overall pick, you know, Pro Bowl caliber guy, and we're talking about bringing them in to you know round out the defense rather than come in and play legitimate snaps like you know you're right. in good shape yeah yeah and adrian i mean amos would be an insane ad like to this defense like it'd just be like i don't even know man, if they pulled that crap off and he- there's a couple really good i think and i'm still, the, can still make. The, oh, the, one that, the one that the one that uh today I, I don't know who posted it what what it was one of the whatever you know media companies it was like um what's his name uh, the running back from Cleveland. Why am I blanking on him right now? Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt. And it was like, who adds him? And we're on the list. Like, I think he's a completely. PFF. I saw that fucking tweet. It's yeah, a completely it's... redundant no. skill set for J.K. I think Kareem Hunt is like very, very similar to J.K. Dobbins in terms of Kareem their style. Hunt the, Kareem Hunt is the guy you sign if J.K. Dobbins gets hurt in camp. And yeah, still right. JK runs better between the tackles. I just think yeah. in general, and like, JK I mean, doesn't kick women, so <laughs> that too. But like, so like Kareem Hunt, and this has always baffled me, but they would always bring him in on the goal line in Cleveland. It's like you have yeah. fucking Nick Chubb, who's like, can... well, I mean, it's Kevin, it's the it's the Browns, like, but this is exactly but, why I mean, they're the Browns. Kareem Hunt cat is good at catching the ball out of the backfield. He's fast. He, you know, he, he's, he's like a, I, I think him and JK Dobbins have a similar skill set. So it was, I mean, just like, why, why in the world are we the first 
team listed on here. I guess maybe it was fucking alphabetical, but like, why are we even listed at all? We've, we've, we have JK Dobbins and we've, we made contract moves on the two running backs behind him and we drafted or we, we signed a running back as an undrafted free agent. So I was like, I don't, clearly we're not going to spend mon- that money on Kareem Hunt. I don't yeah. think Vegas and media companies have caught up to the fact that we're not the same Ravens anymore. Right. You know well, I mean? also, like yeah. Well, and so, also, we're not signing Kareem Hunt. There's a fucking video of him stomping on a, a woman. woman in a yeah. casino. We've already had. No, it was in a hotel. In okay. A hotel. Well. All right. Well, you know, I'm I'm no, sure. No, yeah, it was a, it was I'm sure the elevator that Ray Rice was in was going up to the hotel room. So you know, we're, yeah. we're not we're we are not in the business of employing players who have videos of themselves like I keep, women I keep in seeing hotels. us. I keep seeing us get, you know, named with Frank Clark, and I'm like, there's no fucking shot no. that guy is coming. No. Like, no. They, and Cream Hunt is good, but, yeah, no, I mean, we don't I'm, we don't need him, and we would not sign him if we did. I'm only down to the three. Like, I'd either want Clowney, Floyd, or Houston. Like, give me one of those three, and I'm cool. Let's rock into the train There's camp. a 100% chance we will, we will have either Marcus Peters or Justin Houston on this team. 100% or chance, ball. because – Right. Definitely either, though, because we already lost Clayus Campbell. So we don't have that veteran presence that carry over from the past. Oh, so and overrated. I, well, but I think it, it is meaningful. I mean, I think Roquan Smith is the clear him and Marlon are the two clear leaders on the defense. But um, the, I think, you know, veterans like Houston and Campbell are legends. I mean, they're so both, this is gonna they're, they're both Hall of Famers. This is going to upset, um, you know, avid listener, visionless Dave. But what has Calais Campbell done here that you want to replicate? No, no, I'm not saying. Uh, all I'm saying is I, his I'm presence. I'm saying from a but I'm his saying presence. his presence. His presence is overrated too because we were blowing leads with him. We had some pretty. I'm, bad no, I don't mean pres- I don't. I don't mean presence in terms of what he does in the field. I'm just talking about in the locker room, veteran leadership on the defense, and obviously, I think Roquan is like. Uh, like unquestionably it's Lamar and Roquan are the leaders on this team. Yeah. Roquan's all business. Like he's yeah. all football. Like, yeah. And I think too, what a, what a like, I'm big on the move by him. Yeah. The zero. Yeah. But he came out and said, I'm not, so he came out and said, I'm not changing my number from 18. I had a Jersey of his in my um, shopping cart. And I was like, I just don't trust this guy. Like, you know, he's going to change his number and then he changes. I think he did. He just said like, go ahead and buy the Jersey. I'm not Yeah. like, it was like, he was was a message to people to buy the fucking Jersey. And then he switched the Jersey number the next year. Not even a full year. I love that. He's going to be rocking zero. That's going to be so clean, but no, I'm big on the clowny train because I mean, what he does well is he defends the run. Well, we don't need him to be an elite pass rusher. And to compliment Ojabo, like it would eventually be him on one side, Ojabo on the other. And you're, I mean, you're talking about cooking because he can play multiple positions. He can play the rush or he can play out too. So. I think he could be a good uh, vet. So my whole point was that I think we need like sort of veteran leadership for the, for one of, one of the purposes is we have a, a young defense and like, you know, Tavius Robinson is a project, but someone like Clowney or Houston could be a fucking great mentor for him. Um, so I really turned it around, like his, like his whole like approach to the game. Yeah. Well, and speaking of Tavius Robinson, and earlier you were talking about uh, Drew, the the front office and Lamar trolling everyone the whole time. Did you mm-hmm. do you guys see EDC on the lounge? Yeah, that was pretty. No, funny. so they didn't upload it. Yeah. Um, so I like they didn't put it on the podcast feed, so I, I missed it. I saw that he he pulled some prank on them. He did. So like they were like, um, I think they asked him like Tavius Robinson like. And he was like, oh, yeah, 
you know, I, I, I've known about him for a while. I've been tracking him for a while. Um, yeah, he said Jerry Rosberg. Jer- Jer- Jerry Rosberg, his son was a, his son's a hockey player. Yeah. yeah, he said like Jerry Rosberg's son's a hockey player. And he said, he sent it to me and he said, uh, you got to check this goalie from Ottawa out. This guy, this kid's crazy. Like is insane. And EDC was like, I looked at this guy and I said, that would, that guy would make a hell of a, a linebacker. And his name turned out to be Tavius Robinson. And, you know, then the next thing you know, he shows up at Ole Miss and blah, blah, blah. And they were like, man, I never knew that story about him. They were like, that is so cool or something like that. And he was like, yeah, I just made the whole thing. Like he, the way he told the story was like, I mean, it, it oh, he's, sounded... an elite, he's an elite liar. Like it's scary. Like I, yeah. I, he's been trolling us for who knows how long. Cause that was elite. Like how many times did he look us dead so. in the face and say to be happy with James Prochet as a wide receiver? This man, I, this makes me think that EDC is on Twitter. hundred percent. He's 100%. He's and I know, I know Lacey listens to the podcast. So Lacey, you, you can, uh, I don't think she knows. I send think a, this is some covert yeah. operation. S- send yeah. send a tweet and let us know. Are we breaking news here? Because I, I think EDC's on Twitter. This guy is too good at trolling and too good at uh, yeah. deceit with people. I think he he just enjoys making people squirm. So the the uh, greatest the greatest discovery of all time would be that EDC's on Twitter and he's one of the faceless burner accounts that I you know has six followers. EDC is e- EDC is Lamar translator breaking. Yeah, games. no, but it, yeah, if he is, but I'm saying that you know <laughs> the ones that end up the ones that end up attacking Grant, who for whatever reason I always am like one of their seven followers. If that's EDC, that if, if he's one of those accounts, that would be just fucking. Man, and they get like they get real emotional behind those too. They're not just like trolling; like they get like to a point where they they get, they, they put no nah, EDC they get wouldn't get emotional. They get bad enough that I gotta step in on your behalf and be like, "Hey, we bully Grant for an hour a week. Like, let's uh, let's keep." Maybe, it maybe EDC is Burner Fifty Two, or what, what was that? Is that was that the one? Burner Fifty Two. Yeah, yeah, Burner Fifty Two. He's, he's a cool guy, though. I've, I've, I, I've with DM with Burner Fifty Two before. Yeah, he's uh, he's actually a pretty pretty normal guy. Um, him and I, I don't remember exactly how we met, but I, I I'm pretty sure I made fun of him for about an hour and got like a hundred retweets after making fun of him. Remember? He DM me. He's like, he's like, hey, there's no need to be a dick. And I'm like, oh, you actually seem like a normal guy. Yeah. Uh, another another average day on Twitter. I yeah, how about, how about the monkey press conference? I didn't see that. Yeah, you you want to you want to inform everyone? Like, give me. I mean, give me a I just got please. I do. just got clips and everything. But you know, apparently, I mean, one of the things that stood out to me was somebody asked him about you know Lamar running the ball, and he just kind of was like, uh, like you know, is Lamar going to run less type thing in your offense? And he was kind of like, uh. Which is the same response that everybody should have, and I can't stand when people think just because a new coordinator comes in means that you're going to change the dynamics of somebody that's special, and they're special at that specific dynamic. So it's like, of course he's going to scheme in runs, but it's not going to be run predicated. Like they're gonna, he he's gonna open things up. It's like, why would you, you know, why would you tell one of the most elite athletes with the ball in his hands in the game of football hey man we're, we're not gonna run we're not gonna do so, any kind of all right off. so grant you're you're so. the you're the x's and o's guy right so my if i'm an offensive coordinator especially if i'm taking over the team um from the roman offense obviously you know you're gonna use lamar's legs for the yeah. offense but my personal application of that would be to make it look like they're all improvised runs. So like you're calling pass plays and you're you're 
doing route you're concepts. Up lanes up the middle. Ju- right. You're opening up lanes that look like passing plays. You're not like with Roman, there were so many design runs for Lamar that weren't like drop back and go. They were like, I mean, they were motion boil and motion yeah. card off to the right and then yeah. bring the wide receiver. So don't in you, like yeah, don't you think a better him. use of Lamar's skill set? Because Lamar thrives on improvising, even when he's throwing the ball, he's so good at improvising and he's great out of the pocket too, but he, you know, he's really good at, at, at just like creating. So for him, to, I think the most, the, the best way to use his ability to run the ball and to gain yards with his legs is to make it always look like it's not the, the intention of the play that he's going to run the ball. Right. And, and so an athlete like, like Lamar, and I don't mean this in like a disrespectful way, but I call, I call them backyard athletes. They're they're positionless players. Well, I mean, I don't want to say positionless, but they're just all around athletes. So his best skill set is improvisation. Him impro- improving his game is more dynamic than designing a run for him. So if he if you let him get back and you have a run option to the play and let him make the decision, he's enough of an athlete and he's instinctive enough that he's going to make the decision whether he needs to run or pass. He wants to pass. He's a great passer. He's accurate. He's got a strong arm. He makes great decisions majority of the time, and his misses aren't bad misses. So, like, you look at things like that. You look at the drop problems we've had over the years. You change a lot of that to a different dynamic, and he's – you know, one of the elite passers in the NFL as far as efficiency goes. And I agree with you. Like, he's more dangerous not having something schemed up for him. Let him decide when he needs to run and when not to run. Let him run the offense. Trust him with the offense. Give him options at the line of scrimmage. Like, let him run it. He's a very smart football player, and he's a very smart dude, whether regardless of the trolling and everything. Like, he's very, very intelligent. And – they don't trust him enough within the offense. I think Monken will. And I think this is where we're going to see Lamar's game step up to the next level personally. I think Spencer tweeted about it today um, that Lamar averaged like seven and a half uh, carries a game or something like that since 2018, um, since he took over. And if you probably looked back at those, you know, so we'll call it eight just to round up. If you looked at those eight carries a game, there were probably four of them that were poorly designed Greg Roman runs. If you're going to replace those with four, you know, improvised runs where you're giving Lamar lanes up the middle, um, I'm all for it. And maybe maybe that cuts the runs down. Maybe he's only running the ball five times a game, but he's running it five times for 60 yards a game. Like, sign me up for that. Think about this. Think about this. The two, I think, you want to think about Lamar Jackson's career, and he has a ton of of highlight real plays, but the two most, I think, iconic plays of his career are the spin move against – the Bengals, which is clearly it's him improvising. And I'm pretty sure, I don't know that that was a design run that play, but it was a drop back. Maybe it was a, a draw, you know, like a QB draw. I, I think it was just a broken play and he, he took off. If I'm I thought he was running the option. I thought it was a read option. Yeah, I think it was a, okay. I think it was a read okay. option. But. Okay. So either way. So, I mean, again, it's like, you're, it, it's a play that where I think probably the first read is you're hoping that it's going to be a pass play. But dive, you know, dive yeah. was his first read. So, so <clears throat> that's obviously I think number one with like a a, a distant lead on the the second most iconic play. The second most iconic play is the diarrhea game where on you know, and that was again him improvising because the play looked very much like 
he was going to take off. And the threat of him running the ball is what drew the defense up. And he was able to do the jump pass over the top. And so just it's his, his ability to make thing to, to, for, for everything he's able to do being on the table to confuse the defense and then them having to account for what he can do when, you know, a play breaks down or he, he breaks the pocket. That's where he's at his best. I mean, well, yeah, he, I his, about, not his best, but his most dangerous. Well, and like Drew said, you know, he's averaging eight yards to carry over the previous years. But if he's getting five carries for 60 yards, that's what we're looking for. If you look at a lot of the Greg Roman design runs, when you look schematically from the formation standpoint of the offense, a defense all week, you can only do so many things. Right. So they're studying, like they're film watching, they're watching multiple games, they've played them before, coaches have coached places. Like you know tendencies and you know somebody's formation tendencies based off something. So when you can see a formation prepare for a design of an option, that's where Lamar separates himself in a sense of is he should be taken out into the for tackles for loss majority of the time in Greg Roman's yeah. offense. He's such a dynamic player that he avoids a lot of tackles well, for loss. Think about this. And, and, Tyler Huntley and, ran right. the same offense, right? And what's the big knock on him with running the ball? Yeah, he gets fucking crushed. So, right. So we're talking about two guys with, you know, what people, a lot of people would say are similar skill sets where Huntley is mobile and, you know, he can, he, he can run as well as most, most, you know, uh, proficient mobile quarterbacks in the league. But when he runs in the exact same offense that Lamar runs, he gets fucking annihilated and Lamar barely ever gets touched. And he might be, he might be top three or four running quarterbacks, Huntley. Yeah, and then the only thing, the only thing Tyler Huntley is the top of the NFL in his deep ball. And the gap between him and Lamar is so large. So that's crazy to think about that. He's probably a top three or four running quarterback. And the gap between the two is just unbelievable. Like right. wider than the gap in his teeth. <laughs> right. It's basically it's Lamar Jackson. Number one, Justin Fields. Number two. I don't know who would be number three because like, Kyler, maybe. Yeah, probably Kyler, but you just can't see him. That's the only reason he gets yards. Yeah. He gets a second yeah. level because you can't see him until he he's gets like a, a second. Yeah, he's like a he's like a bee. You know, he's like buzzing yeah, he's around. Like, yeah, he's like he's little, so it's like you know, or like a, fl- a house fly or something. You know, Madden so used to this. Who would be who would be number three? I think it's like it's, you. Can, there's a debate to be made between Kyler. Um, Trevor Lawrence is going to be in that mix. He's yeah. he's a sneaky good runner. I mean, Marcus Mariota, Marcus Mariota. He had prime Marcus Mariota, not as much anymore, but. I mean, when, um, remember when he, when we played him, when he was, uh, he was on the, the Raiders and the they brought Raiders, him in for one play and he had an 80 yard touchdown. Yeah. I mean, that's less than yeah, two years ago. Yeah. So you got to put him in that mix. Um, and Mahomes is, is a solid runner when he wants to be. Malik. He's um, a smart runner. So they're gonna cut Malik Wills? If they do, we need to sign him. 100 percent we need to sign him. I just he, don't he would I, be a fucking great developmental no quarterback behind Lamar. Yeah, him being behind no Lamar would be fucking great. Like he was my favorite see. quarterback in the draft last year. Same, he me too. Fair, he didn't get a fair opportunity in Tennessee. They like no un, like threw him in. You're gonna start, you're not gonna start. Like you could tell from the jump, they didn't really give him much support. Like, no, and then they go draft a quarterback this year. Like, yeah. what the fuck? And they drafted. Uh, I'm pretty sure Malik Willis was a third round pick, right? Yeah, he was like a sixth round pick. He was. He was, he was a third rounder. 
He's a third rounder, he's I thought. Third, he's, oh, yeah. I thought he was way later than that. He was projected at first. Yeah. Was, I mean, I thought he was better than Pickett. Overall. Yeah. Uh, you know, Pickett in his tiny fucking hands. I remember but, when um, uh, when Pickett got drafted, we were celebrating that they didn't take Malik Willis. Yeah, I yeah. was 100%. I mean, but Mike Vrabel is good. Oh, I was just going to say, it's situational. I mean, you put Malik Willis in Pittsburgh, and I wouldn't probably want to face him. Like, I think that Kenny Pickett's in, like, a perfect spot. Yeah, I mean, I think Mike Vrabel is, like, the Howie Roseman of coaches. Uh, people, you know, kind of suck him off when he's really not that good of a coach. They they see the, you know, the weird draft antics, and he's a football guy. Well, he's a cool guy. He's a cool guy. Like, yeah. he's funny and yeah, he's likeable. he's a cool guy, but he's not a good coach. He may or may not be. I mean, like, you know, I think you you may want him to be the coach in like situationally you like you plop him in. I think he he's probably a great coach, like uh, for as far as morale goes all the time. But especially like in big game situations in the playoffs or whatever, I think like he can have an underdog. Maybe. Yeah. If you, if, like if you're an underdog. It, it, you know, that year that Tennessee, nobody expected him to win. They came in and beat us and they beat yeah. um, yeah. They beat the Patriots before that, and I forget who they beat after us. But, like, you know, that's that's the kind of situation that he thrives in when Tennessee is actually good. Like, he doesn't have anything to uh, build off of. He doesn't right. have the, oh, nobody thinks you're going to win this And game. they had no business – yeah, they had no business being good with fucking Ryan Tannehill as their quarterback. So it was just like – that's what I mean. Like, I just think, like, he can get extra out of a team, but, like, in certain situations. But, like, you know – I don't, I don't think he. I don't friend. think he's coaching up a team like a like a Ryan Tannehill led team that everyone already has seen kind of hit their peak. He's not the best coach for that situation. If he you give he, he gets Vrabel, them to uh, that peak, but the peak was that they beat the number one seed and then they fucking lost. Yeah, yeah. if you give Mike Frabel uh, an eight and nine team, he'll turn them into an eleven and six team that maybe makes a playoff run. But if you give Mike Frabel an eleven and six team, he doesn't know what to do with it. Right. Then they're then they're like a borderline 500 team. Yeah. Then he's just kind of like, well, my motivational tactics are out the window. Yeah. Well, and, you know, that's not entirely on him. It's also the the GM. I mean, you know, Ryan Tannehill is not a fucking franchise quarterback. He's not a Super Bowl quarterback. He's he, they he is a, that maybe spot. one win game in the playoffs quarterback. Trading AJ they Brown was the dumbest fucking thing they could have ever done. Yeah, but they had to trade him because they paid Ryan Tannehill too much money because they got in that weird spot where they wouldn't have been able to draft a good quarterback, and so they wanted to stick with what they knew. And they had to pay Derrick Henry. So, you yeah. know, it's like the kind of catch-22 situation. But, um, yeah, I don't know. The- yeah, I feel like we're, you know, the AFC is kind of wide open for us because you have a lot of teams like the Titans that are good but not great. Um, I don't even think that at this point, I don't think they're good. I think they're very bad. They may be the worst team in the AFC this year. They're really fucking bad. I mean, they might, you know, Titans. I think we're going to fucking, we're going to, we are going to avenge. We, the one thing we know about the Ravens schedule is that we're going to London on uh, October 15th, that embarrassing performance against the, the Jaguars in 2017. We're going to avenge that. Against I and, and against the Titans because the Titans are Titans you know, are going to be Caleb Williams uh, sweepstakes one hundred percent there. Yeah, we we uh you know as far as hatred goes, the Titans are up there. I'd say top five easily, top three to four more likely than five. It, it's funny because that was always a hated team for me, and then it kind of took a break when we uh, split divisions and we were no longer in that AFC Central with them. And then the younger fans kind of learned real quick after 2019 why we hated the Titans. Right. Yeah. So I think we we have an opportunity with them. 
they they're going to stink this year, I think. And I mean, you know, they they've gotten rid of a lot of guys, and they have no wide receivers. They have no quarterback. And Lamar Lamar is really good against teams that are in places that incest and shitty food are promoted. And so that's that's England and Cincinnati. Um, so I mean, he's already got experience yeah. playing. Well, and it's basically kind of it's basically a primetime game. It's the only game on at the time. You know, it's nine thirty in the morning instead of at nighttime. I'm gonna be and- fucking chugging wild turkey at halftime at fucking 11 o'clock in the afternoon on Sunday. I, yeah, I, sent, I sent a text to my, my friends I watched the game with. I said, you know, just so you know, block your calendar for this day. It's a, it's my a, wife is, my wife is livid about that game. For the you, she, she wanted to go. To I said, I said, she has been begging me. London. Fuck no, I'm not going to fucking London. Oh my God. <laughs> I end up in jail. I'd be fucking chanting 1776. If anybody would fucking listen. <laughs> uh, there's no show. Yeah, I get to fucking dress up as Paul Revere. I mean, here we go. I got the uh, Red Sox hat with Paul Revere on the front of it. So, you know, repping, repping the original horse racer. But um, no, my wife is livid about that because, you know, she's been begging me to go to Nashville. And I'm like, I'm not going to Nashville unless there's a sporting event that I want to go to. And so she had circled that on the calendar. She's like, I'm dragging your ass to Nashville. And then we're playing overseas. So I dodged a bullet with that one. I don't have to go to Nashville. Pretty pretty thrilled with that. Um, you know, if she's interested in going places with shitty food that worship incest families will will go to Cincinnati this year. Fucking skyline chill. Yeah. I mean wow. that's basically Br- British people worship the royal family, which is all about incest. Um literally their food is fucking t- their food is fucking terrible. You're gonna end up fucking buried on Zim's ranch when you go to Cincinnati. Yeah, I mean if you read my mentions, holy Fuck, I will never tweet about the Bengals again. There is like a collective IQ of three in my mentions right now, and I have about five thousand people tweeting me. Just hey, good, don't. I got people on. I got a people an hour and a half away from Cincinnati. Actually, less than that. It's like an hour and ten. Just don't yeah, show, Andrew. Don't don't show up outside Joe Mixon's house with a Nerf gun. Yeah, right. he might shoot me. Don't do that. Or and his then his, his brother in law. Yeah, his brother in law, and then he'll tell me that he's above the law and he won't be held accountable for his actions. Yeah, twenty nineteen. So. Yep. Yep. The last, the last note I'm going to put on this podcast is specifically revisionless Dave. And you talk about Calais. He didn't show up on the stats for sacks. That was not his thing. You're absolutely right on that, Drew. But there was a reason they brought him in, and we all remember 2019 couldn't stop the run. The Niners, Raheem Mostert, Buck Fifty, Derrick Henry. There's nothing that he's, There's nothing else that you go into it. So why did they bring in Calais and Derrick Wolf at the time? They brought in Calais so because it cost a fifth. And also they because they ne- and also because they never wanted to get run on that again, which is why they loaded up the trenches and then he ran for forty yards and eighteen carries and we fucking stopped on that logo. So he had an impact. It just it was one of those Jarrett Johnson kind of unheralded kind of impact. Do not, so he was do not good at what he does. Jared Johnson like that. Do not slur- oh, slander Jared Johnson like that. There's no slander on that at all. Clayus Campbell's about to hit hundred sacks, so sorry, that's He's in the yeah, conversation. He was about to hit a hundred sacks when we traded a fifth round pick for him too. And then what happened there? Well, that, no, guy made like, that guy made like four that guy made like forty million dollars to rack up like six sacks and be tall. That was that was about all he brought to the table. Hey, you can you can suck a fat way. Have fun. Have fun with fucking he blocked the field goal against the Colts. Yeah, he blocked the field goal against the Colts. He used his height for that. He, when he's talking about he watched film with uh, Arthur Blank. Of Desmond Ritter and was oh, Smith, to go to fucking yeah. Atlanta. Oh no, he's bullshitting. He's definitely bullshitting on that. He's sitting there like, man, I can get some money and go live in Georgia, and he, yeah, he needs some of that fucking Roscoe's chicken waffles. No, he's bullshitting on that. 
Magic City take Wings. Your, take your twelve million dollar salary. Get the fuck out of here. Anywho, that's gonna do, do we it for touch? This do we episode. touch on? Hold on, hold on. Do we do we touch on the uh, the, the problematic um, matter Riza situation, or do we do we leave that alone? Nah, we we hit it next week. We ain't got shit to talk. Well, I'm, not, I'm, not, trying, I'm not trying to talk about punters at 10:47 at night. Pun- yeah, it was, it was more I wanted to dunk. It's more that I wanted to dunk on a uh, Clint member, but um, you know, it just punters aren't people; they're podcasters. That's why you have the fucking Pat McAfee show. But anyway, that's, that's gonna that's gonna do it for this week's episode. We'll be back to discuss the schedule release and this, that, and the other. But meanwhile, it's time for me to die. Oh! See ya! Zone, zone 32. 32.